um, about the home, and if you were with us last week, uh, I asked you about um, what your family room looks like, what it's like to be in your family, family room. Hopefully, uh, your, that room is a place of celebration, and hopefully it's a place of resolution. And um, I had some great conversations with, uh, with different people this week, just thinking about that, thinking about the own, their own norms and their own lives, uh, what they were raised um, what it was like being in their family room growing up, what it's like in their family room now. And hopefully, uh, as we look to God's Word to inform us, um, you, you, you know, meditate on, on that. Hopefully, you talk with your family about that. Um, this week, um, I, I want to look... Uh, well, actually, let me just say this um, before I tell you what room we're going to do. Uh, next week, we are going to do the bedroom, Okay. And I want to give you a heads up for that next week because um, I want to, want to honor, you know, as far as parents, if you don't feel like your kids uh, want to be in there or want to be in here for, for that one, I understand. Um, we're going to be a little bit more explicit. And the reason we're going to be explicit is because the scriptures are pretty explicit about uh, what the, hopefully the bedroom can look like in a, in a great and hopefully inspiring way. Um, that God created uh, the bedroom for us to, to, to love us and care for us. So next week, that's what we're going to be looking at. And I will just leave it at that. Good. There you have it. Very good. Bedroom next week. You do what you need to do about that. Uh, all right. Um, but this week, I wanted to look at, um, you know, all, all different kind of, there are all different kind of hubs. And this may not be uh, your hub, but for us, I want us to think about uh, the kitchen. The kitchen for me and for my family, I think growing up, uh, and definitely for my family now, it's, it's a real hub uh, as far as what our everyday looks like, what um, our everyday activities and our everyday decisions. And I'm going to break this up into three categories uh, f- uh, for you. But I want us to turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy 6, and I want to take um, kind of a big passage and just put some, some practical truth on it. Um, Deuteronomy 6 is uh, Moses' book reminding the Israelites, okay, here is what God desires uh, from you and for you. You're about ready to go into the promised land. Just be reminded of where you come from. So, Deuteronomy 6 says this, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So what does it mean for you um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength? I mean, when I put feet to, 
to those three, you know, my heart and my soul and my strength. And it's, I have to live day by day. And the hub of where our family kind of interacts and, and makes decisions and talks about certain is, is the kitchen. And I wonder what it looks like for you to think about uh, these three things. Because in the kitchen, think about the, the decisions, at least these are the decisions that we would, that we would make. Um, one is this, what does your weekly menu look like? I know that may sound kind of out there, but what does your weekly menu look like? Okay, second question is this, what does your weekly calendar, what, what does your weekly calendar look like? And lastly, what does your weekly budget look like? What does your menu, what does your calendar, and what does your budget look like? When you think about the kitchen, I remember Thursday was the day that my mom would normally go to the a grocery store, right? She's going to Publix. And my, my desire was that when I got home on Friday as a, as a young kid, I would open up the, um, the cabinet door, and I would have three options, beautiful options. Here's what they were. Pepperidge Farm chocolate chip cookie looking uh, called the Chesapeake. Had little nuts in it, marvelous. Sausalito chocolate chips without nuts. And the Milano cookie with chocolate in the middle of it. I was going to have three options, Right? And then I would pour myself a large glass of cold milk and I would go sit right on the counter and, you know, eat as many as I could eat and then try to make it look like I didn't eat that many. (laughs) That was my singular goal. And man, Fridays were awesome. Um, You know, I think about menu and you think about food and we can talk about it in ways... um, that are fun and joyful, but I also think about food as it relates to my own personal body image growing up, and I think, wow, okay, this was different. When I think about the kitchen, and I thought about the food choices I was going to make, and how that, those food choices would then affect what my body looked like, and the way my body would look like in front of other people, And how I never, ever, growing up as a kind of a late elementary school kid or a young junior high, I never, ever, ever wanted anybody to see me with my shirt off. That then, okay, that then affected my life. And when I think about the kitchen and when I think about um, the decisions that we make every day, three times a day, maybe five times a day as far as what food you eat, food can be what? Food can be the place of what? It, is, it has, in my life, been a place of utter and total escape. Like, the kitchen was the place that I would go as long as no one else was there, and I could do what I needed to do in total isolation. And I could what? Feel some type of strain, and if I could put something in my body, if, if, if there was a good amount of food and I could put a lot of stuff into my stomach, you know what? It would change the way I would feel for a little bit. 
And it became a place where I would, I would run to. And you think about kitchens right now. You think about your family, the way you view food. Hey. And then you decide, you know what? Food isn't going to be escape, right, at all. It's not a place where I'm going to overindulge. But then what happens? Food becomes the place where I control, right? I'm going to have complete control. I can turn my body into whatever I want because I have control over food. And our menus and our, um, affect the way our bodies are, and we begin to worship our bodies. And if we have a good-looking body, in shape, we don't overeat. In fact, we only eat clean. That's all we do, and that's all we think about. It becomes, you know, it becomes this neuroses. It becomes this, this idol in our lives. And we can either say, okay, you know what food is? Food and the menus that my mom and my dad provide are simply a way for me to look like I want to look and feel the way I want to feel as idol or as utter total escape. It's Friday, Pepperidge Farm, here I come, right? It is lasagna night, and I'm having all I can eat. That's a great, great night. And our menus, right, our menus um, become very important because they either become, they can become a place of escape and of isolation and utter secret or a place of total and utter domination and idolatry because what? We think we can actually uh, make good decisions. The kitchen is a powerful place. What would it look like for our church to not worship food and not, what, use food as simply escape. It's a big deal. Body image is massive in our community. Let us not lie. And the way in which we view our own bodies, what happens? We pass on to who? Our kids. The way you view view food is passed to our kids. The way I desire or, or kill that desire because I want control over that, I will pass to my four kids. Because you know what? They're there at so many meals. They're there in the most formative times, 0 to 18. And then they're out. I'm kidding. But then, you know, 0 to 18. That is so formative in the way God made us. Food is um, powerful. The menus that we, what? That we decide on is um, can be very formative. Proverbs 28, 7 says this. He who keeps the law is a discerning son, but he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. 1 Corinthians 19 says, Please remember, church, that your body is a temple. Treat it as such, as a temple, as something in and of itself not to be created or not to be uh, worshipped, and not to be neglected. You tell me what it looks like for your menu not to be worshipped and for us not to neglect it and say, hey, whatever, Golden Corral, you can eat, game on, <laughs> right? I like that a lot, too much, too much. And I like what it, it feels like to be in shape too much, right? I like overeating too much, and I like being in shape and looking good too much. What does that say about my heart? It said my heart 
looks to either escape or worship itself. I need a savior. From what? From a weekly menu. From the neuroses of a weekly menu or an escape to a weekly menu. Kitchens can be a powerful place. But we have to apply the gospel, what? The gospel to the kitchen. And I think our food choices will what? I, I, think, I think they will change. I think we can view food differently. But how does your family view food? All right? Second thing, what does your weekly calendar look like? Well, what does it look like? If you were to put out your outlook or your, you know, 7 a.m. to 9.30, what is, your, what, what is your time filled with? We make decisions in the kitchen about time all the time. It feels like there are options f- for me to do something, you know, be it a, a sport, an event, uh, you know, whatever, for Lou to do something from her, from her work, for my kids to have another opportunity with another sport or another club or another dance team. There are so many options for us to fill our time. Here's what James says about um, time. He says this, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Right? Don't overthink this. Proverbs 31 says this about a a godly woman. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. So at one level, the Bible says, look, don't be so freaked out about time. You're only here for a wisp. I mean, it's like that. And it describes a godly woman and all through the Proverbs, a godly man as Someone who is dutiful, who works hard, their lamp does not go out at night, right? What do you do with time? What does your um, calendar look like? Do you get to spend time together as a family? Do you do that? Do you, um, do you make decisions to sit down and have a family devotion or, or to sit down with your Bible and read it as a family. What does your weekly calendar look like? Do you cut out time for that? God says, look, I want rule and reign over all things. I know for me, um, it can just get um, to where I just look and see what life has planned for me, and I don't intentionally say, okay, I want to make sure I am designing this according to the the scriptures, because I've got baseball games or dance shows or um, something going on at the church, uh, some whatever, and life dictates my calendar more than, hey, I'm looking at this and saying, no, no, I want to be intentional about the way God wants wants me to, to spell out my calendar. And I make so many of those decisions so quickly in the kitchen with Lou. And we're talking like, okay, you got this, you got that, what, who, what, okay, good, 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 good. Got that? Good. We're going. See ya. Love you. Love you a lot. Love you really a lot. <laughs> All right, bye. Wait, what? What, what does that say about um, our heart? Hey, life is moving. Try to keep up. Um, and the Bible says, look, love your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your strength. These are the commandments that I give to you. They're to be on your heart. What, Frank, does your budget look like? What does it look like? What does your weekly budget look like? Psalm 137 says this, Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Famous interaction Jesus has with a rich young dude. Teacher, says the rich young man, what must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, commit adultery, steal, or testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commands, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be right, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the man walked away with his head down. Right? What does your budget, what does your weekly budget look like? You know, we make decisions all the time in the kitchen about what to do. Have you ever um, said, forget it, we're just going to go, we're going out to eat. You know, that, that seems to be a good default for us, right? We're just going to go out to eat. And next thing you know, um, I don't keep track uh, as, as sharply as I should about our budget. And, you know, you get through a month and you look at your, you know, what Wells Fargo says I has, and I thought, what are you talking about? There's no way it's this amount. And I go look back and I think, oh, my goodness, we've gone out to eat like four nights every, like every, you know, the past three weeks, like three or four nights. Like you went out with them. And the money that God has given me here. And the money that God has, God, God has given Lou, her salary at Mary Bryant, we are stewards of this. And we make decisions all the time in our kitchen about what to do with our money. And many times it's out of default or out of pure convenience that I make my decision. And it's, um, it's, it's to simply survive or to simply make things more convenient. But here's, I want to... Verse 7 of the Deuteronomy passage says this. Here's what's going to happen. When you make decisions about food, about your menu, when you make decisions about your calendar, when you make decisions about money, here's what I want you to do. I want you to impress them on your children. I want you to talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. When you take the kid, your kids to... Um, Soccer practice, when you pick them up, right? When you tuck them in their beds, when you wake them up, I want you to talk about what it means to what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Because what's going to happen is, it's, the, the Hebrew word for impress here is like, it's going, to, it's going to be engraved. I mean, this stuff is impressed upon your kids. I mean, the way you eat and the menu that I had growing up was impressed upon me. The way I saw my parents treat money was impressed upon me. The way I saw them treat their time was impressed upon me. And he says, be intentional about it. It will happen. Tie them as symbols on your hands. I think about the the WWJD bracelets. You know, it's kind of like a, a contemporary expression of that. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. 
That might be a little much there, but, you know, you want to do that, go ahead. It might be a little awkward, but write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, hey, look, decide what you're going to be as a home. And for us, it would be easy to simply make, you know, the big decisions like, okay, what is it like in the family room? Uh, those are big decisions and celebrations are made there. Or the bedroom, that's so you know, intense, in, intense, if you will. But what about the everyday decisions that we're making with our food, with our time, and with our money? Those are the things that our kids see all the time. They see how quickly we'll pull out a credit card for something and not for something else. They see how quickly we will spend time what? Doing, you name it. But recognize that we never do this. We will use food to either what? As, as simply escape or simply as control. That is impressed upon you and upon me. And what he's asking is take this mindset that this, that you were what? I mean, what's the whole context of this? The whole context was Israel were what? They were slaves in Egypt. You were set free. You were a prisoner and you were set free. You shouldn't have food choices. You shouldn't have calendar choices. You shouldn't have budget choices. But you know what? I set you free, Israel, and you do. What does it look like for us to respond to God's grace? Not because we have to, because we don't. We are free. We are free in Christ. But what would it look like for us to make these decisions in the freedom of grace with our menu, our calendars, and our budget? How do you view those three things? How are you teaching your kids? Because um, it seems to me we're either overly um, controlling of these things or overly at least... um, indulgent with these things. And I can tell in my kids where we probably hit the mark and where we don't. Um, And so we need to, what? We need reminders. We need reminders that our homes are simply what? The grace of God. The grace of God. And every one of these, the next meal that you eat, when you walk out here and you say a blessing, the only reason, we're, I mean, we, we don't have to say a blessing, but when you say a blessing before you eat, what are you saying? You're saying, I shouldn't have food to eat. I shouldn't even be here. So God, thank you. Thank you for this food that you have given us. I, there is, I should not have a job, right? There's nothing I did that allowed me to have a church plant that grew. There's nothing that you did in and of yourself, outside of the grace of God, that allows you to what? That allows you to excel in your profession. All of it's His. All of your time, all of your money, all of your food, it's all His. And that's what Israel knew. So this made sense to Israel. But how do you do that when you have every single thing you need in 2016? You're going to walk back, you're going to go into your big home, your nice car, big closet full of stuff, really opening up your cabinet, being able to eat really whatever you want. If not, you know, stop by uh, a restaurant on the way home. For Israelites that were prisoners, this meant something to them because they were in the desert for 40 years and they were what? Getting water from a rock that allowed them to quench a crazy thirst and allowed manna. And God said, every day manna is going to drop from heaven and you can't store up manna 
It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to go bad after day two. So you have to eat what I provide every single day. So literally, they would say a, a thank you blessing to God um, after or before their meals because they were so thankful to have a meal because they didn't know where their next one is coming. And that's the problem, being in prosperity central here, right? Upper middle class, prosperity central. Are you really thankful for your lunch, for your dinner? Are you intentional about thanking God that you can go to Publix and go to the fruit section or go to the meat section or, you know, buy fresh strawberries and think, man, this is... But quickly, what happens here? No, I deserve this. Ah, these, are, these aren't as beautiful as they should be. I, I deserve these things. It's my time. It's my money. It's my food. And none of it's yours and none of it is mine. It is all God's and it's all grace. And the Lord wanted to change the world through Israel. What did he say? Israel, I want you to live a certain way with your food, with your time, with your treasures. Why? So that Egypt over here and Mesopotamia up here, so that this promised land here, so that the world may know who, what? Who is the God over all things? Could the world, could your friends who don't know the Lord come into your house and walk into your kitchen and say, do you see how they make decisions about food, about their time? about their money? Why, what, is their, what, is, what is driving all of that? For I believe for Israel, for those that understood grace, um, for those that understood Jesus set them free, all of it was grace. What if people felt that around us? You know, what if you saw your food as, I should not even have a body like this. I should not even have health. What if we view, view, view food correctly so that our bodies are strong and right? Not to worship them, but to what? To be strong, to live for him, and to share the gospel. What if our what? Our calendars, our weekly calendars look like, yeah, no, we have time and we're trying to um, grow and practice certain talents that God has given us, but all of that, so what? So that ultimately, when my kid's on the baseball team, or my kid's on the soccer team, or on a dance team, they can say what? They could say, God has given me the grace to use a body to enjoy a certain sport, so that what? So that I can talk about him. So that I can tell the world, I have this God who loves me in spite of my sin. That is why we use our time. What did the Lord want you to do with your time? He said what? To his disciples. I mean, we talked about the apostolic church and the Nicene Creed. What did he ask the apostles to do? To go into the world, what? Make disciples. What if you are there with the mess of parents and you're seeing this as not just a team or a bunch of other parents, but an opportunity for you to witness, to be a witness to the grace that God has given you? And then what happens? Your kids are impressed. Not impressed. I mean, it's engraved upon them. And what do they do? They take their time and their healthy bodies, and they begin to what? Talk to their buddies and their friends about that. And their calendars and the time that God has given them, it becomes all the more intentional. What if you take the money that has God has given you? And it's simply this. We buy homes to live in communities. 
We buy homes to come together as a family. It provides us shelter. It provides us, you know, a place to go and sleep and to have refuge. But ultimately, it becomes a place that we can invite people into, right? And we can share the love of Jesus. That's why we have a budget. And so we can spend, yeah, we can go on vacations, but we're on mission. Every, if, you know, if you know Jesus, you're on mission, And every single resource we have, your body through your food, the time through your calendar, and the money and the resources that you have through your budget is just meant for his mission. That's the only reason you have what you have. And when you do that with intentionality, it's going to impress your kids. And when whole families are right and intentional and missional, you know what? The world is changed. So what does he say in verse 10? When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, this was the promised land, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities. You did not build. They're there. You didn't build them at all. Houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied... Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Have you forgotten? Have I forgotten that, hey, the opportunity to eat, to have the menu choices we have, to have a calendar where we're making time decisions, and to have an actual budget. We have actually money to spend. Are you forgetting that it's God that brought you out of slavery, that God has given you grace? When you remember, right? When we remember, what would that do? What type of choices could we make? That's not to say you can't enjoy food because it's a blessing from God, but you can't worship it or see it as an escape. That doesn't mean you don't need you time, but ultimately, that's time to recharge you, what? So that you give back to the Lord um, the, the, the time and the effort that he wants from you. And then finally, look, when you have the raise or when you have the surplus, hey, is that just for you or is that just to add to the mission that God has for you? Because all of it's by grace. Look, our kitchens, we're going to make decisions probably tonight. What you're going to buy at the grocery store. What, who has to pick up who, right? And how many... How much, uh, how much money we have to do all those things and pay our bills? What if all of that were to come under the rule and reign of God in a new, more intense way this week? What if you, in, in, in kind of like progressive ways, brought your kids into some of those decisions and showed them how to make those types of decisions? I think you make these, these changes. You, you make... You ask these questions intentionally. And the kitchen becomes a place, not of, man, life is happening to me. I've just got to decide. No, it becomes missional. It becomes intentional about how are you going to use, hey, a menu, a calendar, and a budget for him. How might that impress your kids? How might that change the way they view these things that, you know what, probably seem mundane to them right now. Probably seem, you know, oh, mom and dad do those things. No. Hey, impress on your kids. Talk about what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your strength. When you take them to soccer practice, talk about it. When you pick them up, talk about it. 
When you put them into bed, talk about it. When you get them up, talk about it. Put things on your walls that remind you, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The gospel is practical. Living a Christian life is very practical. It's not all pie in your sky. We're just going to talk about Jesus on the cross, which of course is the central point, but it plays itself out in our homes, right? In our family rooms, in our, um, in our kitchens, in our bedrooms, in our studies. God wants to rule in your home, right? It's, it's your house. It should be his home. Menus, calendars, budgets, kitchens. What does it look like? I think, man, you change a bunch of kitchens in this, in this church. Collectively, you change the kitchen. I think you change families. And when you change families and when you change kids, you change other families. Because kids talk. Amen? Kids talk. <laughs> they, t- they tell everything. <laughs> you cannot hide. <laughs> Too many, yeah, nine-year-old boys know what I do sometimes that I don't want them to know because other nine-year-old boys in my family say things that maybe I don't want them to say. But man, we impress our kids. They'll impress others and we live by grace. It's going to be beautiful. Make it practical. Your menus, your calendars, your budgets, all under the rule and reign of God because what? We're called to love our, our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Let's pray and ask God to impress us. God, impress us so we might impress our kids. God, I think about um, the great ways in which you have blessed my family, my parents and, and my grandparents, and the blessings from that. And then at the same time, God, I know the challenges and, and, and some of the um, the weaknesses that my family has passed down. And um, they've turned into my struggles and they've turned into my strengths. Um, God, may we talk about this openly so that each generation, God, we can learn from the next and we can pass down and be honest about where we need grace to come in and inform our lives. And you, God, I really believe, want to change our homes here at West Town. Are there family rooms that you want to completely transform? As we spoke in week one, there are complete foundations that need an overhaul. And I know, God, there are kitchens right now that need um, to be updated, right? That need to be um, hubs of, of, of everyday decisions where we can show our allegiance and our worship of you. So help us do that, God. Help us remember that we are simply prisoners that have been set free from ourselves, and that's the grace of Jesus. And God, when we understand that, when we see what we've been set free from, God, we can make great decisions. We want our kids um, to flourish. We want our kids to know you. We want our kids to... um, Use money wisely, use time wisely to be able to make what seems like an everyday food decision, but under your rule and your reign. It can be so powerful, God. We thank you for a practical uh, message, um, a practical message that can affect our lives even later on today, God. Uh, We love you and we need you.
come reign in our homes, God, in your name. Amen.